0: Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. It's 4 p.m. Stand up. It's count time. Time for every man and woman to stand up and be counted. Welcome to another edition of Pound Time Podcast. I am Brother L. Diazobra, formerly named Lyman White. Thank you for joining us today. Guess what? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the great, the one and only. The uh, Sheik himself is here today, better known as Charlie B. Granger or Granger. All granger from Left from Lake Charles, Louisiana. A great man, a, a great friend, a warrior, a defender of his community, one who never quits. At eighty three, he's still going strong. Today we I stopped by his home with his, he and his lovely wife, Barbara, to sit down and we sitting outside because of the COVID, we decided to come outside and enjoy this fresh air. A beautiful day, lovely day. Uh, it's good to be, feeling one of the days that's just good to be alive. And it's great to be sitting here with you, Mr. Granger, because you've been around this, you've been, you've made 83 trips around the sun. Cool. I like that. you talking about 83 years? 83 years. 83 83 around years. the sun. I mean, that's what every every 365 days, that's that's a trip around the sun. First of all, I want to let you know, this is our segment we're going to call our Living Legend segment. Oh, appreciate it. I'm, you are I'm in those numbers. So. Oh, you are. you you're the class all by yourself, oh, truly. excuse me. <laughs> But uh, and you are considered one of our living legends. Okay. And we are honored to be here today to even sit to be in your presence. I like that. And, I like uh, that. And you, we thank you for giving us opportunity to sit here and commune with you. I like and, that. Uh, and share a lot, uh, a lot about who you are, what you did, and what you're doing, even to this day. Come all the way from Lake Charles, Louisiana. Now you're in Port Allen, Louisiana. That's correct. Uh, That's correct. Uh, how long you been in Port Allen, Louisiana?
1: Well, uh, I got married in 1961 and, uh, graduated, uh, I got married in 1960. Graduated from Southern University in
0: 1961. You're talking about the Southern University? The
1: Southern University in 1961. And, uh, from there, my first job was to go to, uh, Dallas and, and trial for the Dallas.
0: Cowboys. Oh, okay, then. Okay, we're going to get to that. Uh, let's get a little bit more information. Uh, talk about you and all your it's so much. I mean, we can't get it all on one or two, three, four interviews. It would take us so long. At
1: least long.
0: ten. So, we, so we're going to do, we're going to focus on some things that on some, um, some of your greatness is so much greatness that you have accomplished. So many things you have done that have better you, better your community, better your family. And, uh, and the community and community, many are appreciative of all you've done and still are doing and your lovely wife are doing to make things better for for many. Now, you started out, you played football at Southern, you did trike at Southern, and you moved on. So, let's just talk about you and your days when you was in Lake Charles and how you ended up at Southern University. Okay. and Lake
1: Charles, I, when I say Lake Charles, the community that I was born and raised in was about a mile out of the city limits The community called Brownsville. And right now, the whole area is now Lake Charles, at least about 20 miles past Brownsville. So the city is really growing. Grown. It has grown. and and continues to grow out south toward Twin Lake Road, Magnus, State College, and, and those areas.
0: Okay, okay. So came from Lake Charles. What high school you went to?
1: Washington High School. It's brand new. I went there the first four years that it was built. It was built, I finished in 1957. It was built in 1953.
0: Four years there. Before de- before desegregation, there was no such thing back then. No such thing.
1: <laughs> okay. Really, that's the reason why I was a bus another 10 miles across town. Because there were schools in the area like my namesake, LaGrange. That's like Granger with The
0: Granger. <laughs> Of Granger But you couldn't go to LaGrange. I couldn't right? go to Grand. You got, you got bus on the other side of town and, to go to school. Almost
1: 10 miles on the other side of town. And rural, you wouldn't, you had to go to the outer city areas. That's Boston High schools was uh, inner city. So all the kids that was in a rural area living in the parish went to Washington High School. And the other areas that was, uh, became high schools like, Mossville really High and softball. all those communities had to come to Washington High School Parish, called parish schools. So that was called the Black High School. Uh, they weren't using the word black during that, those days. What,
0: what they was calling you there.
1: Well, and in some areas they say Negro. Where mm-hmm. I came from, we say colored. So they were still in that term of color the, 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 in the uh, 50s. Always colored because there was so many different uh, entities for bloodline. Um, I had a strong bloodline of, of the Indian race that came out of Cameron, Louisiana. On my mother's side, that's where they came from. And my father's side, they were from the
0: Grand Lake area, two
1: different areas.
0: Well, that's amazing. I mean, when I was a young boy, my grandmother uh, would always tell us that we were from Indian tribes. She would always say that she's part Indian. They come from a tribe. And they would speak about who the tribe were, where they came from, where they were. They just throw that out. So I didn't know specifically what tribe we came from. At least you know the tribe you came from? I don't
1: know. I really don't know. I've heard it called a number of times because a dentist that was in an area that studied tribes told my little sister when he looked at her teeth what tribe she came from. By looking at her teeth? By
0: looking at her teeth.
1: He could tell that she came from a certain Indian
0: tribe. That, that's amazing that's amazing so but you came through to, by the way of Washington High School how'd you end up at D Southern University back then and who was your who was the great coach at that time?
1: Well in my first year there was a coach for, named Kelly I uh, came from Scotland area then Roscoe Moore that was at De Quincy High School wanted that job and so, so D Roscoe Moore from where? He was well he came from De Quincy High School. He's originally from Gremlin. He originally was born and raised in Gremlin, but uh, he graduated from Southern. He wanted to coach uh, at Washington High School, much larger community than the De Quincey High School. And Roscoe Moore came there when I was a sophomore, sophomore through my senior year. And from there, I uh, wanted to go to college. And that was the thing where most of the coaches were from Gremlin was trying to get me to go to Gramlin and my head coach from Southern. And that was a fight between where I was going with my assistant coaches. However, Hurricane Audrey came through, and my size of 194 pounds, and Rob was not going to make it because Rob had guys there that There was 6'5", 260 pounds, and Rob came down to see me at the end of my senior year and he had a chance to look at me when I was helping my coach at uh, preschool.
0: So my coach, legendary coach, coach Eddie Robinson. Of the
1: legendary Eddie Robinson came down, saw me in person, uh, came to the football practice, and made sure that some kids blocked me. And that didn't happen. So the coach, Eddie Robinson, took his coat off and got in front of me. And he did not favor himself, so... Uh, he told Roscoe, said, I want that boy. You know, but I had already decided to go to Southern University, hoping that I would get a job there or scholarship there it did not happen because, again, Coach Muffler had guys that was much larger than me played tackle. So he eventually put now, me. Now,
0: what, what was your position at the time? Uh, in high school, I was I was a tackle. Offensive. Offensive
1: tackle, defensive tackle. We Went I mean, both ways, it's like a platoon system. Even in high school, also at Southern University, and uh, I didn't gain any weight back after I uh, worked uh, Hurricane Audrey, and I was 6'2", looked like I weighed one hundred sixty-five pounds. Well, how'd you lose so all that weight?
0: Nobody wanted me. How'd you lose all that weight over the summer?
1: Uh, well, I worked the morgue. The morgue.
0: Yeah, people that were snake bitten,
1: they were. Swollen up four times larger than normal. No one knew who they
0: were. We, no, 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 but you you got to give us a little back background to that. What you mean, the people that were snake bitten? How did how they how they get? What happened for that? For well, like that I position. said
1: earlier, my brothers from Cameron, Louisiana, and all those people that came in. Some of the people that survived survived what? Survived the waves and. The waves is over 20 feet high.
0: Oh, of Hurricane... Of Hurricane Audrey. Okay, we're talking about Hurricane Audrey is what what happened at that time.
1: It it happened at my senior year, and and, and that summer. And I worked at Mog, and and I couldn't eat for a number of weeks, and I lost a lot of weight. So you used hauling bodies? But bodies was hauled in and stacked up, and we were uh, pouring lime on the faces and arms and thighs. We had big machetes where we were slicing the faces. The lime was supposed to shrink their faces and the bodies where you could recognize them. So uh, I went through that trauma uh, of trying to recognize people and pouring lime on hundreds of people that was
0: brought in. So that many people was killed? Drowned. Drowned. Drowned or snake bitten. Hurricane
1: Archery, yes. That many people.
0: And what year was that?
1: That was, that was my senior year in, in, in high school. That right. was 57, the summer of 57, my freshman year that I was.
0: So your senior year, you get ready to go to college, but you are hard, you are moving dead bodies around. That was, that was a job. Well, uh, wasn't a job. It was just something that I volunteered to do.
1: I volunteered to oh, help. I volunteered. Yeah, I was volunteering to help. Did you lose, was, did
0: you lose a lot of family members and loved ones?
1: Uh, my mother knew a lot of family members that we lost. I didn't know them personally.
0: It was mostly people of African descent or Indian tribes, or was the ones one?
1: that was at these funeral homes was at
0: African descent funeral homes, or, or from the local tribe of your people. Yeah, and that many people. How many people do you remember? Was the well,
1: they dug out a, a grave to just bulldoze people in there. They they bulldozed over a hundred and some people in because they they could not identify them and 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 and, and make a formal grave site
0: so they just pushed bodies over it in in a hole. So them the ones just them the ones that just pushed into a hole. You ain't counting the other ones that was buried. Mm-hmm. That's correct.
1: God. Either way that you could say that you know. It got to be a heck of a thing.
0: Okay, well, let's move on from that. Okay, that's an a interesting story to tell. This before you even entered Southern University. Yeah, that's one
1: reason why I usually gained my weight back. I ran track too. I I usually I was weighing one ninety four. I knew that I was going to lose about ten pounds running track. I was one eighty four, but I didn't know I was going to lose another ten pounds. I work at them all, down to 174.
0: So you went to Southern University weighing 174 pounds and wanted to be an offensive tackle. Yes. I'm
1: sure I weighed three
0: (laughs) pounds more,
1: but I didn't look like I weighed no more than 165. You can see the weight that was on me because I was so tall and slim. So uh, the coach looked at me and said, no, you won't be playing tackle here. And he said, "And, and whatever we offered you, I don't have it for you. That's what the coach at yeah.
0: So yeah. you, when you arrived on Southern University campus, Yes, the coach told you that you don't have a scholarship there. That's correct. Because you was, you didn't fit the bill, physical size, that they thought you That were. is
1: correct. I practiced, I told Roscoe Moore, you know, that uh, they was going to raise some money for my tuition. And Roscoe Moore and Mr. McMillan, who was over the Recreation and Park, and, and Lake Charles raised my tuition, for me to uh, pay my my first semester semester school, oh,
0: so these people were was working hard to help and assist local young men and women that were, who was moving forward in life. I well, they did that.
1: They didn't have that many experiences at that time because it was it was a new high school. But yes, they did that for me. Okay.
0: So when you arrived at Southern University, okay, first of all, you think you're going to be on a scholarship. You find mm-hmm. out that you're on your own. I'm, yeah, no, no, yeah, that's you, you're correct. You're on your own. You're on your own, and, and you you don't have no car. You don't have nobody can come pick you up, so you don't have nowhere to go. You can't even get home. That's correct.
1: <laughs> oh, that's correct. I didn't know no one driving back and forth the late during doing those days.
0: So what was your, so Mr. Roscoe Moore and who else was it? Uh, Mr. McMillan. Mr. McMillan. So they assisted you, make sure that you was taken care of, got you in college.
1: They, they gave me money to pay my tuition.
0: So now let's fast forward. Where, how did you end up on football scholarship?
1: Okay. Uh, that, the, the spring semester, Rosco, the track coach was working uh, me the men that the discus. I was given a grades cutting, whatever they call, another kind of work scholarship. So the second semester, they gave me some help with a work scholarship job. So one of my jobs was to make sure I trimmed the drags along the hurricane Princess around the football field. And it so happened that they were throwing the discus in that area. And I threw the discus back, and evidently it was a pretty good heave. So the coach asked me to throw the discus. He said, come here, boy. He said, throw that discus that way. And I did, and evidently those guys who were throwing the discus was juniors and seniors that coach did not believe in freshmen and sophomores so he was not interested in me however the discus went about 30 feet further than his juniors and seniors and he said i want this boy and he had someone else to bring my shovel and and my rake in and uh he told coach Moore how good that was however spring training football was going to start in the next day or two uh, so Coach Muffet said, well, boy, you, you want to play tackle, you're going to have to come to spring training. So uh, I had to go to spring training, uh, and two or three days later. So in spring training, they were ready to – Worked with teams, uh, A, B, C, and D teams from the year before. He said, boy, get in there. Uh, We're going to uh, split the gaps today. Coach Mumford Mumford told me to get between the center and the guard. We splitting the
0: gaps. And how much you was weighing in?
1: Uh, by that time, I probably was weighing about 189, and, uh, 190 pounds. You put on a few pounds. I, I put on a few pounds. And I was so quick and fast that no one blocked me that day on none of the plays. You was on on defense? I was on defense. He had me splitting the gaps. That's what he wanted to see. He wanted to see uh, what I could do. So I split that gap on that A team. No one blocked me. On the B team, he had, they were first teams, second teams, and no one blocked me on A and B team. So no one blocked me on the C team. He said, Granger, are you tired? I said, no, sir. And um, he made shift for fourth team. He said, Granger, don't you come to practice tomorrow? And I didn't go to practice for the next three years. But that one day, they didn't want to see me in football spring practice no more after that day. So you would made the football team. I'm now you, now you, you can go and do your track thing. Right. I've gone
0: back and do my track thing. Now who was your track coach at that time?
1: Uh, coach Thaddeus is close to the last name. That's not quite it. As close as I can get today. Thaddeus? Yeah. Okay. And he left and went to Florida A&M after that year. So he was with me one year, and I went on to make all swag my my freshman year. Doing doing what? Doing the discus. You threw the discus and
0: shot, or just a discus? No,
1: I threw the shot, but my best my best throw was a discus. No one gonna beat me in the discus
0: shot put. out, will come in in third or fourth. So so and you was you didn't have not have a. Track scholarship either you just end up.
1: I did not happen. You're right. He
0: ended up. He just saw you throw the discus back to the to the. Uh, to That's the, uh, correct. To the other player that day, and that got you on a track team. That's correct. Oh, you're a bad boy. You made it happen for yourself. <laughs> I made it happen for myself. So now you end up throwing track, throwing the uh, discus. Then you end up playing football. So you didn't play defense on the football team, did
1: you? Yes, oh. both ways, offense and defense. You stayed in about eight. Nine minutes when, when it was your turn on A or B team, whatever team you was on, and you had to stay there when it was on defense. You stayed on the team when you was on the offense. They would put another team in, whether it was A or B.
0: So that's why you have a certain love and admiration and respect for Coach Munford because you, you you played under his leadership, and so you have a special respect. And Did y'all win any in the, in the championships at that time?
1: Yes, we... we uh, we won a national championship and swag, SWAC and national championship, my, my three years uh, of sophomore, that, junior, senior year. You
0: played like 57, 58, 59? Or 58, 59? Yeah, 57 see. through 61. Under, all, all four years under, under Murford? Yes. Because I remember several years ago, I've worked with you, and you had a statue made of Coach Murford that you wanted to Put over there to the Southern University inside the stadium. Have that happened yet?
1: The statue did, but the placement has not happened yet. So the statue's still sitting We still
0: haven't got a month of statue up yet. So it's still sitting there like a statue. <laughs> it's
1: <laughs> no, still... Nowhere to go, huh? Well, well, we knew where it was uh, when it was where
0: the statue,
1: the young man who made the statue, we knew where it was when he had his building at, at a certain site.
0: Now who, who, who made the statue? Uh... The uh,
1: statue was, was made by one of the young men who played tennis at Southern. If you'd asked me, uh, Bond, Ed Bonds, okay. yes, Ed Bonds made uh, the
0: Ed statue. Bonds, yes, right there. This so. is the one who was
1: playing tennis while I was playing football
0: and and, and track at Southern. And He also did uh, that kind of work. That was a line of work, making trophies and statues. Yeah, he does. did
1: a lot of things with high school contracts. Doing all the kind of paraphernalia that you were needed if you were graduating from high school, T-shirts, and you did all of those kind of things.
0: Now, now, who were some of y'all tough players at Southern University at that time that you that gave you a tough time? Who was who was the bad boys besides Charlie Granger?
1: Well, the guys that uh, that was in my class, who was my senior year. We, we only about four would survive. And everybody was all-swack, all-American. Cyrus Lancaster uh, made uh, all-American in football and, and uh, made all-swacked on the job. Uh, Eddie King, who uh, did almost the same thing, high jump, uh, running back. And uh, there was Aaron Jackson, who was all-swack at center from Houston Wheatley High School. And uh, there was uh, Paul Bailey, who passed away about... Nine months ago, friend from Southern Lab, he went somewhere else for a year, and and he came back to Southern University. He was a punter and running back, and all four of us uh, was all swag. Some of us was all American too. Tyrus and Lancaster was all American. I was all American. So,
0: now you told me One day you played against the great Ernie Ladd from out of Grambling State Buck, Buck Buchanan. Buck Buchanan. Buck Buchanan, who's in who's in the Hall of Fame. You 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 played against bad boys like that. Could, yeah, those could, those that, guys. Now I hate to ask you the story, I I I don't want you to tell a story on yourself, but I, I need to hear it anyway. But could they could they block? Could, would you were you able to block the Ernie Ladd in Buckview, County?
1: Well, what happened? Ernie Ladd uh, would not get in front of me. Ernie Ladd was a superstar. He played in front of whoever he wanted to. <laughs> he would not get in front of me. So the coach had Buckview, Canada in front of me. The book, Ernie Ladd and I had a had a fight in basketball. I didn't play football against him in high school, but I did see him play against Boston High. School. So,
0: so you and Ernie Lad had a fight in high school. In high school, in high home, school basketball game. In high school
1: basketball too, in in Orange, Texas, where he's from. Yeah, he was a mean, nasty player. And, uh. <laughs> not, not the big lad. The big lad. Not the big was, cat. Not the, the big, big cat. The big was <laughs> always mean and nasty. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't really want to go, uh, in his chest. You beat him any way you can. So, uh. Yeah, that was a big man. That was a big man. That was a big man. And, uh, and he got into it, but he knew that I told him, Because one year he was surviving after a ball from Alcorn hit him on his knee, he had to have surgery on that knee. And I reminded him that if he get in front of me, that he'd be going back having surgery again on that same knee. So he he believed that he got he got his foot over on the other end, yeah. And uh, so Buck Buchanan was in front of me, and Buck Buchanan went crying over to his coach. I followed him. He said, "Coach, I just can't block him." So, Coach put Big Joe Hall in front of me from Appa. Lucy, Joe Hall was six feet five, and his head was about about a foot long. And I said, Gee whiz, I'm in front of this monster again. But uh, no one could whip me. I was smaller than everybody, I think. So, you played, but they were bigger than you? It was, oh, yes, it was much bigger than but me. But you played much smarter. I was much smarter. Oh, gee whiz. I, said, when I told Joe Hall, I said, don't hit me. You're going to hurt me. He said, I'm going to hurt you. I said, yes. I said, don't hit me. So while he did not hit me, I hit him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you talk about him his own game, right? Yeah. Now, who was Joe Hall? I don't remember that day. Joe Hall
1: was by the Jazz Clark of Appaloosa. who's all-around athlete. He, I ran hurdles against him. He scratched the hurdle, shuttle hurdle relay for Jazz Clark, who, was known to have one of the best shuttle, he relays, hurdle relays in the state. And we were the state champions because my older brother and my first cousin, who were like all Americans in high school and running the hurdles. And uh, I scratched the relays. And I had a first cousin who ran the second leg. So no one was going to be there when the third and anchor leg came around. So uh, that, it was it was all over with. So you can run too? Who oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I could run too. I, I scratched my relay uh, my senior year in high school and we were state champions there. I never mentioned about other championships that I was on, but I was on state championship shuttle hull relay and, and and I scratched both relays and my relay. I love taking the tough spots, but my relay during those days, they did not stagger. They just piled us up and we had 30 people who were running a mile relay, those crazy coaches had all thirty of us lining up. And the best man went in the first leg. <laughs> so I knew everybody didn't play football. There was a lining up. I saw all those little, little not-strong kids, not-so-strong kids in the quarter mile. I said, well, somebody going to get whipped to death. I said, because when we come out of that 110-first curve, it ain't gonna be what three or four was the, and that's where it happened. Um so, I would I would come in 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 the top three in in that first leg after fighting everybody for a lane in that in that first one ten in the top curve. And I knew that's where the that's where the game was gonna be won at right there.
0: So you already figured that out? I fast. already
1: figured that out. I knew it was gonna happen.
0: So but you end up playing running Brendan- you we enthraked throwing the discus at Southern and the shot put. Which the discus, discus was your thing. I long jump at Southern. Long jump, too. okay. And you played football under the great Mumford, who the stadium is now named after. The Mumford Stadium, right? That's correct. Now you were one of the ones at that time. You had the opportunity to go to the next level. Tell us about that experience.
1: Yeah, well, what was going on? Uh, Mumford, Mumford, send names in like Randy Lad and all those guys. More than he did for Southern. Because if he got mad at you as a player at Southern, he didn't send your name in nowhere. But my timing, for when we played Jackson State my senior year, my timing of of a great offensive play that I made, I blocked five men going around a sweep around the right side. And Paul Bailey at that time, who was just fast enough to time everything where it was right for my block, and it looked good. So he sent film off. To uh, Green Bay, Dallas, St. Louis Cardinals, I could call Pittsburgh Steelers. These people were looking forward to seeing me play offensive line after looking at that one particular play against Jackson State. Yes, I would say that he did a pretty good job
0: on me. Okay, so 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 Coach Morphin send your name in in the Dallas Cowboys and film and film. So the, 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 the Dallas Cowboys. Draft you or you end up they just brought you in the camp. How did that go back then? Well uh, Dallas Cowboys and um
1: New England Patriots sent a scout down at the same time. They that draft with American League was having a draft at the same time. It was not part of the NFL. And the NFL sent a guy in from Dallas. They all called me. I went back home to Lake Charles. They all called me in Lake Charles and I ended up uh, talking to both of them in Lake Charles, and I invited both of them to come talk to my coach at Southern University the next day, and that's what we did. The next day, we all met at a certain time, starting at 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock for the guy, McKeever, that was in from, uh, from Boston, and I don't recall the, the guy's name that was from Dallas. But McKeever was like a general manager at Boston, so his name stood out, and he had a daughter, At LSU at the time, so he was kind of well known. But the year the NFL draft only lasts three rounds. Three rounds. Three rounds. It took a whole day to do two, so at the end of the third round, they stopped on me. You was the last player picked in the draft. I was the
0: last player
1: picked. In what year was that? That was 1961.
0: you get a you get a award for that. Now the last per- person to get drafted get, get get a get a get award. The Cowboys, get a yeah. award for, so use the last player for the Cowboys. Use the last player drafted that year. Period. When they got to your name on the third in the third round of the draft, when they chose when the Cowboys Dallas Cowboys chose Charlie Grant, that the draft was over with. The draft was over with. Yes. And when you when you arrived there, what did you find out when you got to Dallas? When I got to Dallas um, – what, what, what was your number with the Cowboys? Uh, number 71. What was your number at Southern University?
1: Uh, 74. Oh, okay.
0: When I got to the
1: Cowboys camp, there was a special week just for the rookies, and the old vets was not going to see the rookies until the following week. Well,
0: since Dallas was a brand-new team – A brand-new team? Yes, they only was one year old. So you got there to, to the second season in the... the
1: second year, and Dallas had not won a game. The first year Dallas was in business, they did not win a, a preseason game. They lost all preseason games and all regular season games. So when Dallas won their first game, I made the first tackle, the first game that the Dallas Cowboys won, between the Minnesota Vikings. I made the first tackle that they won. So you playing defensive or offense? No, I was on the kickoff team. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, on the kickoff team, they had special people, whether they played offense or defense. They put speed on the kickoff team. And uh, for the guys that was on the kickoff team, in fact, there's no one ever bit me down the field on the kickoff team. Mm-hmm. Even if I was saw in some of the wide
0: receivers yeah. are, you took or the, you took no pride. No one wanted to be down there before me. You took pride getting down there.
1: I took pride getting down there.
0: So when you ride to the Cowboys, now some people say, well, that, they must have they reverted back to their old way because they don't seem like they're winning much these days either. But you said at that time, they hadn't won a game. So you felt that at that time, this, this must have been one of the most sorry teams you could have been on, right? I, no, since they were new, I, I, I didn't think
1: either the way, because Minnesota Vikings and the Cowboys, I figured we were going to have a rough time. During those times, those old vets uh, was dirty, and they played dirty. And if you was a rookie, you weren't going to learn what they was doing in a long time. It was going to take at least five games before you found out what they were
0: doing to you. Now, that's the time they used to wrap.
1: The hand slap and wrap. They wrap their hands with Anything they had, they had steel balls or whatever they was gonna hurt you with. Those guys were serious about hurting you, and and they was trying to snap you upside the head with whatever they had in their hand.
0: So they was able to take steel balls or, or brass knuckles, or uh, steel balls
1: like you would have in in the sprocket of a bicycle. Yeah, like, you
0: know, it's a little yeah. round ball. Yeah, we used to use it for marbles then, like marbles. Yeah, yes, yeah. so I, I remember them days. You remember
1: those days? Yeah. yeah. They would take those kind of things. They would had hand black spray after referees check the clean tape. Then those guys had little sachets under the benches where they would go get a, a whole ball of tape that they had there, and their little balls, and they retape the hand, and they had black spray to spray the tape so the tape would not look clean, so the referees don't check dirty tape. They only check clean, Jay. So the, those guys were slick. So these
0: guys on defense. These guys on defense, yes. So you're offensive. I'm offensive. So o- offensive. What? What you played the Cowboys? Right tackle. Offensive right tackle. Who? Who did you go against back then? Who was the bad boys on? Uh, the well, the, uh, I went against
1: Gino Marchetti twice. Who's the baddest defensive end in pro football? Fact is, that's how I made the Cowboys team the last preseason game we were. in Norman, Oklahoma, and uh, Tom Landry told me, "Say, Grady, you'll be down to uh, two people. I'm going to have to cut one of you, and um, you are playing in front of who we consider the best defensive end in pro football, Geno Marchetti. Say, today I will find out whether or not you can play in this league. And I didn't know who Geno Marchetti was. I said, Southern, I didn't watch TV. I didn't watch football on TV at Southern my senior year. I didn't know who he was. But he was exactly what. <laughs> he was John all that. He was all that he said he was. <laughs> but I knew that I was going to have to block him, uh, make a, a 99 or 100. I knew that if I made 98, I was gone. In other words, if Gino Marquette got behind me twice in that one game, I was gone, so uh, we went at it and I did some things for blocking him that I had never done before like blocking him below the knees and and, and the same shirt I used with on the discus. I, I was hitting him up uh, when the tree was in the air, I would hit his legs again and made him he would be tumbling heads over feet on on every play. After I saw I could do that, I would do the one-twos so I could make that turn to get under his feet, blocking, and I did that on the, almost on every play. What, you were blocking it with your feet? I was knocking his feet from under him. He was coming so quick and fast that he didn't ever stop. He didn't ever stop to think that that's what I was going to do. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, he was used to hitting he, people upside the head. Yeah, he was going to just nose
0: his way over you. Yeah. That was yeah. his
1: technique. Yeah, that was his technique, shoulder he had shoulder strength, and quick hands. His hands were so fast, I, I think that he could pluck the fly out the sky and determine whether or not he wanted to hold a female <laughs> or male sex right and let him go. His hand was there quick. Uh-huh. So, man, I, I, good thing I had those shoulders were just discus in, 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 uh, in football, because you could not use your, your blockings schemes that you use in college, because those guys will grab a shoulder and snatch it off. So we were taught to hit the man with, with our helmet and bring your arms right close to your shoulders and bring your arms up. If you brought them arms out like you was going to block, like you did in college, they'll grab that and snatch it. Or they want to find something to grab and pull. So you had to block different. And I was not used to hitting the man with my head because I was strong enough to block a man with my shoulders. But I was not strong enough to block a man with my shoulders and pro football. Oh, it was different. It was different. I was going to have to hit a man where it hurt and with what I had that would hurt him. And that was with the helmet. And you had to, you had a certain way that you had to hold your body to hit it
0: with your head. Now, now, you was fortunate. You played with two great legendary coaches, Moffitt and Tom Landry. Right. That's interesting. That's interesting. What, what was Tom Landry like back then? He was just getting started himself.
1: I thought Tom Landry was a genius myself. I, I, I knew that when he planned for a game that I didn't have to worry about nothing. the
0: fact, I didn't have
1: butterflies in pro football because of the preparation that Tom Landry gave you. The man that you was going to play in front of you, he told you everything you need to know. He told you on every play uh, uh, that was designed for for first, second, and third, uh, wherever you were on the field. Down in distance, he had more plays than anybody in the NFL. He had plays that was colored. Green and what have you—the colors that was A, B, and C—and and he could change, he could change plays on a team in a split second. He had his quarterback to call a play according to down and distance and where the man going to be. And Tom Landry was right all the time. I didn't ever have any—I didn't ever have butterflies for for blocking a man that I knew I was going to block it. But I knew where he was going to be,
0: too. Okay, then. So,
1: so evidently, sometimes I made sure the man was going to be in the wrong spot. I did a little wider split to make sure he was going to be in the wrong spot.
0: <laughs> so, so now, Tom Landry, one of the greatest coaches, NFL coaches of all time, you played up to his leadership, tutorship. And, but you end up, they end up trading you to where? St. Louis Cardinals. And that was a short stay in St. Louis. But what happened in St. Louis? Well, Who's the head coach at that time?
1: We had a, a head coach that came out of Canada and brought Sam Etcheberry with him. And I can't call the coach's name now as well as I know the name. He had a good quarterback in, in Canadian football. And he brought him with him. And uh, they were not doing that well at that time. And that time, the offensive tackle was hurt. He was still playing, but he was hurt. He could not do a good job for blocking, and they needed a tackle real bad. So I flew in on a on a Friday night. They gave me a playbook that Saturday and told me I would be starting that right tackle that Sunday. The next day. The next day. And the next day, uh, I said, well, how am I do that? I said, I just got to say, well, Granger, one of the offensive line, say Granger, who was a leader, said, Granger, they think it's going to be just like the Cowboys, the, the, the whole numbers uh, to the right and the other numbers to the left, and the passes is the 80s and 90s. Say, uh, then you just block on the two and four and six and eight holes. You say, you're automatically know that. And I said, okay, all right. And I say oh, yeah, I know how to do that. So it wasn't no big thing, you know. I didn't,
0: I did not miss a block the next day. So you got there the day before the NFL for an NFL game, and you still performed very well.
1: Yes, I made a hundred.
0: You put your scores on the board when you come out.
1: I made a hundred times making it the Cowboys. At the Cowboys I either
0: made a hundred or ninety nine. Well, you 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 was a bad boy. I'm telling you. <laughs> So after that experience from the Cowboys to St. Louis Cardinals, yes. So y'all was in St. Louis. At the we time. were in St. Louis, and you didn't stay there long. That was that was the short. You stayed there for the rest of the season. Okay.
1: And the and and the Cardinals made changes. They brought Wally Lamb in from Houston Oilers team to be the head coach, and he was not a coach. He was one of those pretty guys that talk a whole lot of noise and no coaching. So I had problems with him, uh, especially staying at that position. They had one black uh, offensive lineman who had to leave and go to the Army named uh, Macmillan. Macmillan was about 6'6", and he weighed about about 265 pounds. And uh, they weren't going to play keep with one black. But during those days, we only had about... Seven to eight blacks in the whole league. And no teams, no teams uh, had over six men to a team that was black. There, out of out of thirty-six men to a team, you was not gonna find over six black players. And we had certain plays, or uh, places that we was gonna play. We was gonna play at cornerback, defensive end, running back, and wide receiver. Those was the only position they had for black football players. And for offensive tackle, uh, McMillan and I was the only two workers at pro ball. And uh, they had Roosevelt Brown with the New York Giants. A few other guys that was in the league. Some of the guys named that, uh, Rosie Greer. He played both offense and defense.
0: Oh, uh, so you played at Rosie Greer yeah. time. So, But you, you was the first... Offensive lineman, you know, at the Dallas Cowboys. I was right? the first black offensive lineman. with the Dallas Cowboys. For the Dallas Cowboys. In, Cowboys. in the history of the Dallas Cowboys. Because was the second year in the league, and you was the first one to come there playing offense. Now, I
1: was the first black offensive lineman that second year. They had never seen a black offensive lineman before, which meant that I had to go against rookies like Bob Lilly, who was – all pro for ten years uh, to make that team, I had to grade a hundred blocking him. That meant that the all American, everybody's all American, Bob Lilly did not get past me. So if he would have, I would not have been there. So, so you, you put you put a uh, Bob Lilly on lockdown. I put some licks on him. I was hitting it with my head like they told me to do And I must have hit him too hard. One day he started fighting me. He lost that too. He lost the fight.
0: (laughs) All right, all right. You got you got nothing but history. And always remember this here: man can shocker the hand, man can shocker the feet, but only you can shocker the mind. The mind is always free to travel wherever you dare to take it. And I'd like to thank you for tuning in once again to Count Time Podcast. I'm Brother L. Diazobra. Thank you once again. Remember, it's 4 p.m. Stand up. It's count time. Time for every man and woman to stand up and be counted.